having gone through being molested, my heart come out of me shit like heart literally leave my body the day she left. Don't tell your picnic, especially your boy picnic. So oh, if you cry you're wrong girl. Son after me have no son, you didn't say that alone yeah. Was he referring to the fact that he had a daughter? My father don't have a daughter. Telling her your story is powerful and people I'm sure are gonna gain a lot from this conversation here. Welcome to Reasoning with Jamaican Dogs. Today, we are reasoning with Janoy, who just published an anthology of poems in his new book titled Heart Songs of a Melanated King. Janoy, welcome to Reasoning. It's such a pleasure to have you on, my brother. Hey, Jermaine. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. Tell us about the book, Heart Songs of a Melanated King, and why should audience run out and buy a copy? All right. So the book, Heart Songs of a Melanated King, is pretty much a compilation of poetry that tells my life story from the inception to, I think, a portion of current. To me, it connects with what a Jamaican, well, the struggle of a Jamaican, who literally, who pushed to go through whatever we have to go through to get to where we need to be. Yes, yes. Your book has an interesting title. How did you decide on that title and what does it mean? Well, you know, I decided that I needed to take on a, a vacation or a staycation in Cali. And uh, I drove my, I booked a hotel in San Diego, went on some hikes and things, and on my way back home, I'm driving and I just hear, so the name of your book should be Hide Songs of a Millimated King. I was like, yo, that's a marina, it's a buzz. But I'm sure I'm not going to that. I'm sure I can't, can't pull over now, because I live on the freeway. So I'm sure I'm not going to remember that. So that is, if this is really you, um, by the time I get home, I will remember this. And so be it. I got home, the name never left. Time alone was important in San Diego and look at the result at that. Trust me, good get away. Yeah, it seems like the voice of God is important to you in you know, the, the process of this book. And whenever it speaks to you, that's where you follow. I try to be because I have a tendency to run. I like running. I, if anything means putting me on the spotlight is where I am going to run. I don't like the spotlight at all. So tell me this. What are you hoping your readers will take away from the experience shared in your book? Okay, so from this experience, I hope that they see the authenticity, that they realize that though the past may start off rocky, though you may experience a whole bunch of um, delays and jumping a whole lot of patrols, that's not the final say. What counts is persevering, pushing through. I guess just like a furnace where the pressure and the heat is on, this is what this book is saying for you that no matter what, you have to just rise like a phoenix out of the ashes. Have to. And just brush yourself off and keep pushing. Absolutely powerful, my brother. Tell me about your childhood growing up in Jamaica. Which part of Jamaica were you raised or where you're from? And how would you describe your childhood? I was born in the one and only same town, Spanish Town, St. Catherine. Out of Spanish Town. Yes, that's where I was born. And I spent the rest of my years in Portmore, the Sunshine City, which is where I stayed until I migrated. Cross the causeway. Yes, sir. Um... I will definitely say that growing up, my life was one of the most, I won't say it's the most complicated, but it did have a, it had its rough moments where 
my parents separated from I was one year old. And I had to always I spent most of my time with my mother. My mother literally raised me with my grandmother and my uncle and my aunties and all of that. So that's how that grew up. I started there. Um did primary school, went to Spanishtown Primary, then went to Spanishtown High School. And so if you look, there's a pattern of Spanish stone, Spanish stone, Spanish stone all over. Yeah. Yeah, that's how that went. I won't say that it was the hardest because my mother is definitely a hard worker where I've seen where she put herself to the back burner just to make sure that her only child had a chance at life and to make sure that I got the opportunity to do what she did not get to do. As my mother only finished high school, she never went beyond that. But she made sure that I got that education. And while in Jamaica, I never took out a student loan. Funny thing is, I failed all my CXCs at the first setting. Every single one, I failed them at the first setting. Mm -hmm. And to me, that day, I literally felt like, yo, my life has been done right Because the shame that hovered was literally, I can't even explain that. And I remember my mother calling me, and she's like, come on, it's all right. We're going to go again. Is this not it? We're going to go again. And I said, oh, what? She said, no, man, it's all right. I'm sad that you never get all of them, but I'm not disappointed. Wow, that's powerful. Because we are here's the chance to go days over. So, she stuck with me through that. I went and I did over my subjects, got what I needed, and I didn't even allow her to wait to say, oh, hey, what's the next step? The day I got my results, the day I walked down to Pomo Community College, and I applied for the associate for the associate in business admin program, and got in right there and then went home with what my program is going to cost, what it what I need and do all of that. Because that was my setting sure enough here and serious. I see that mommy was the foundation of everything that you have done. Definitely. And if you can go through school without in Jamaica without ever taking out a student loan that speak to the testament of her making sure that your education was a prime thing for her, just like many Jamaican mothers, they want to make sure them youth get the best education, but doing it without a student loan is right. very commendable. And um, failing all your exam, that just shows that right. if you get knocked down the first time, you can brush yourself off and get back right up and go at it again. Right. Wow. Right. What was it about your childhood that led you through thoughts of suicide? All right. So I, my father was not around. And, well, I knew who he was. So physically, I knew who he was. But emotionally, for that support, where, you know, we have this myth that, oh, yeah, man, say, I can grow, man, don't have emotions, man, don't show emotions. Yeah, I grow rough. I grow rough. Man, grow rough. Yeah, rough, right? Yeah. So I think he had that belief. In doing that, I felt that whole wanting him around, and then he was not there. Having gone through being molested, going through um, just the days of wanting him around to at least share with me through all of that, and he wasn't there. And that, for me, just felt like, yo, this is, this is too much. And then going through the ridicule of not being the most masculine dude around, that was like, yo, all right, I have to deal with that too. And in, adding insult to injury was where I remember him saying to me one day, he was with his friends, and I was with him that weekend. 
Damn, so what are you saying? Was he referring to the fact that he had a daughter or he's implying? He's implied. So he who is it? My father, my parents don't have a daughter. Are they all girly man kind of thing him 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 a eluto? Right. Damn in a table, I tell you. That are the place where most youth get the most cut from them parents, my brother. I can tell you that. When father sit around the damn in a table, them pretend like them youth secondary. Right. It's like them youth is a bother. Because they have to show them friends something a different side. So well, them not care or something. That painful for you, my brother say. The man says such a thing to you. At such a vulnerable point in your life. Because everybody dads are them here. You see, that's the thing. I've always heard people say, oh, your father is a hero. And I never had that experience to say, my father is my hero. In fact, I said this to him once that I'm thankful for what he's done. Because it shows me what I need not to be. True that. Mm-hmm. Right? So that demonstrated that to me. And uh, it's, it's wrestling with thoughts like that and experiencing several other traumatic experiences was like, you know, that for me was, that was my escape. And writing, I remember going through journals. I remember them little exercise books that you had to get at yeah. school with the eagle on the cover. I used to go through them, they're like, yo, and then when the black and white book them came about. The hardcover one? Every week. Mm. Every week I was going through those. Wow. That's literally how I'm, I'm here today. Because, you know, I have attempted several times. I'm grateful that I never had the gun to go through it. Because living life now, mm. I will never change anything. I would not change any of my experience. Because it helped me to be who I am today. And it helps me to connect with the students I interact with on a daily that was my period. That's what drew me. That's what. That's how I got through that dark phase. That's what contributed to me having suicidal thoughts. And then it even got to the point where mentors that I trusted eventually started hitting me, like hitting, making moves at me, start looking. So at that point, I was like, yo, there's no safe space. No safe space around here. What What do you mean? So hold on, hold on. Mm-hmm. You said mentors that you were working with start hitting you. No, start hitting at me. Start looking. Start arguing to me. Oh wow! So like that right there is like your ministry from nowhere. Okay, so your experience around that Domino table with your father was the start of you feeling having suicidal thoughts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I hear you said something about molestation. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll have to, we'll touch on that. Yes. As a child, what, what ages are we talking about? With the damn military incident, that was about 10, 11. Okay. So around 10, 11. Yeah. All right. A vulnerable time in our child life. Right. And he hit you with that, you feeling suicidal and having sort of suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. And put together some type of concoction to, but not going through with it. Right. And then you're saying now that there are people that were mentors to you that mm-hmm. what were you doing with these people that turned into them hitting on you or them I try to look you as a kid? All right, give me the timeline on that. All right. So because of my level of vulnerability, mm-hmm. I was on a quest, quote unquote, to find so a male figure that's upstanding that, you know, can emulate. And in being open and telling them like, out of the situations that were the, I remember, I can I can share this one. Um, I had uh, this male figure who would talk and uh, we'd 
they they encourage me to do this, do that, and do that. And then the conversation just eventually eventually just went to, you know, I find you very attractive. Uh-huh. You know, I really, really, I was like, wait, what? How we get here? So at that point, I realized, okay, I can't trust you. And then others came along the way. And there was a point when I lived in Portwood, walking home from school, there was a, I want to say it was a pedophile who would literally trail people going home. And he would pass, and he would just see start jacking off on the road, like literally. And I realized I was not the only person who oh, wow. experienced Yeah, no, I've seen that happening when I was in high school. Morning time at the bus stop, some guy across the street just started do that. So that is a real thing you're talking about, my brother. Trust me. When I experienced all of these, you know, when I tell you I was shook, I was shook. And the only explanation for me was your right. So dealing with that, I think high school was where that molestation thing happened. Okay. And it was hard. It was hard. I didn't tell my mother about it until a year after. When I realized we can't, we can't hold this in no more, mm. I told one of my friends who was, one of my friends at church who was adamant that, yo, I'm going to come and find this person. Just let me know who this person is and I'm going to come and find this person. I'm like, yo, chill. So I never talked about it. And even I told her about it, she was livid. She was livid. I was like, mommy, it's okay. I'm okay now. I'm okay. Okay. This molestation thing in Jamaica has been prevalent for a while and it's it's a global um epidemic. So growing up as a as a youth, we always worry about little girls and protecting them, but nobody ever have it in them to say make sure I protect the boys. Right. So how 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 does that make you feel? Or tell us what can be done or what you think need to be done to protect little boys in Jamaica and the Caribbean at large. That starts at home with your parents, which is where I urge fathers, whether or not you're together with the mother, make your presence known in your child's life. Don't tell your picnic, especially your boy picnic. So, oh, if you cry, you're around here. That don't exist. Allow them to know that them father love them. So, care to feel emotions. But this is where, you know, explain to them. Even if you don't, even if you never experience it, it's a different time. Things and time change. And because of that, just be as present with your children as you possibly can. It's not about material things that you can give your child, because more than more than often, it's just where you think you just want your present. It's not the present, but your present. Yep, that sounds very poetic. <laughs> my example with that is, I literally, I was having a conversation with my mother recently, and she said to me, you know what I'm grateful for now? As a child, I was not able to give you a lot of things. You wanted things, and sometimes I don't have the money. And you said, Mommy, it's okay. I can do without it. And you never made me feel like I needed to go do this or go do that. And she shared an, a situation with me where I had holes, I had one shoes, one sneakers, and I was going to school, and she just never had the money to pay to buy me a new pair of shoes to go to school. And ended up with cardboard on the inside of that shoe because there's hole under the bottom. And we I just pray every day so the rain didn't fall because if rain falls, that fit for the shoes for you. Mm. And I remember talking to Daddy one day, I was like, at this time, my father was wearing the same size shoes. And you know, Jamaican school system, you only need, you have to wear the same color shoes, whatever is in the stipulation. Yes, black or brown, that's it. Right. And I said to Daddy, Daddy, I need a pair of school shoes. I said, what do you do? I'm going And my father had a, had a business at the time. He had two taxis operating on the road. And I said, Daddy, 
you don't even have to buy me a new one, just give me another one to have. Just so I can actually, just so. He's like, you know, I'm not here. And his girlfriend at the time was like, yo, you can't get it. Why you need your father's shoes? You can't provide it. You don't think your father has other people? Because my father has a child with her, and she had another child as well. And she's like, we have things that we have to take care of by here, and I think we have to call back for you. And that right there, so I remembered. I remember all of that. And it's God that literally, let me tell you, God almost got changed my heart. Because the bitterness is not as bad as it was before. But I can tell you, there is the resilience of my mother that pushed me to where I am today. Yeah. That pushed me to be who I am today. Why, oh boy, oh boy. Mm. The simple things that you ask of your dad. And it's basic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a father's instinct to make sure they provide for them youth a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. And that and that would have changed your 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 whole demeanor and your school life having a decent pair of shoes without cardboard box in it. And he had the ways and means to be able to provide, and yet still he didn't. Yep. Well, that explains why your heart have to be tough, and it took time for you to heal, for you to soften up a little. Based on what you're saying, is that you find some kind of forgiveness to apply to him, and 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 and, and you don't you don't feel that bitterness per se anymore. Right. I guess they say with time, healing comes. Time, definitely. Because I had, and I was adamant this past summer that I was going to go home. And the first thing I imagine now is I'm going to have a talk with him face to face and tell him everything. And I did that this past summer. There you go. I told him Everything, how I felt, everything, like literally how I hated him, everything. And I said to him, and this is how I ended the conversation with him. I don't have hatred in my heart for you anymore. Powerful. So you freed yourself in the process of laying down all your feelings literally. of neglect from a father. Everything. Your entire childhood and mm-hmm. freed yourself because that can, would, and thank you, lucky stars, you're able to do that. Because God forbid he died before you do that. Mm-hmm. You would have that baggage to carry for the rest of your life. Exactly. That is something I did not want to live with. And I did not want to keep going around being unhappy and not being able to function in a relationship where some things is just don't bring this up. I never even talk about father. I'm like this, I'm dead. I don't have no father. Yep, Wallipa always said that. And that's why you forget people. Wallipa Jamaican youth said that. My father dead did not exist because of the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of the pain, my brother. And I can, when I tell you, it, I was able to tell that man I love him. And the look on his face was priceless. I still remember it. <laughs> Even if almost a year ago, I still remember it. And uh, now we can have conversations. We can we talk at least whatever, at least once or twice per month. But it's better than what it was. Healing, healing. Process of healing, my brother. That's what that sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Happy for you that there is peace in your spirit going forward. And I'm pretty sure that experience will help you to grow and shine as a, a human being going forward. In your book, you also talk quite a bit about the need to mask your feelings as a young man in Jamaica. Elaborate on that experience. All right, so connecting that back to the need of, okay, you have to be tough. Mm-hmm. 
and Mandonte. Man yes. And because I knew that where I had that intimate and I needed to get around, I was like, you know what? This is what I did. I can't say I feel this. I can't say I experience this. Because if I said that, they're going to say, well, I'm a sissy, I'm weak, and all of that. And in talking to friends at school, they'd be like, oh, yeah, my father would come, my father would do this, when they'll talk about their, their encounter with their father. You know that? So I tell them, like, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> and I agree with it. Like, I know exactly what that feels like. I when we don't, I was like, yo, no idea what that is. I mean, I wish I did, but I don't. So it's the need to push. And I mean, the man will say, take it till I make it. I did that with my emotions. I did that. I mad. I wore that mask so well that nobody knew what was happening with me. Well, you need to win an Academy Award for the acting skills, huh? <laughs> Boy, man, you just got to do what you got to do. We all have to put on a, our best face and, and move forward, despite whatever the circumstances we're going through. Right, right. We know that your mom is your heartbeat. 100. And you also mentioned some powerful moments with her in the book. But you also touch on something very powerful and familiar to so many of us. The concept of barrel babies. In Jamaica, you are referred to as a barrel baby when your parents leave to seek better life abroad. Right. And leaves a young child behind. Mm -hmm. How old were you when your mother migrated? And tell us about the experience and how it impacted your childhood. Right. So she left at, I think, 11. Yeah, 11. Because I was just in grade six. And she went to Bahamas to work. That was, that, that my heart, come out of me, she, like, heart literally leave my body the day she left. Because I knew she was leaving for better. But I knew, I knew that how I had to live with my father for this whole time. You know me and this man don't have a relationship. So it's doing that where I like, okay, I can only have conversations with her on the phone now. She will call me weekly, but there was a point when all my conversations were now being monitored. So I'm on one line, somebody else is on the other line listening to what I'm telling my mother. And I called it seven months of terror. Because she came back home, she was like, I can't leave my child. And she was right in the midst, like, close to just solidifying all her stuff in Bahamas to become, like, a citizen or something like that. Something to that Resident citizen, probably. And she was like, no, I have to go home. She had my grandfather at the time and her, my grandmother. And I was there as well. And she was like, I have to go home and take care of my home. So she left all of that, came home, now back to finding my job. And, you yeah. know... That right there, it was one of the hardest things. It took a whole lot of adjustment. At times, I felt really alone because, as I tell you, my mother is literally my source to this day. Even though I'm a grown, I'm a grown old man now, still, I'm a mama's boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that literally was one of the hardest things for me. Hardest. The thing that a lot of us been through, myself included, was a part of that whole parents migrating to a foreign land to be um find a better life and, mm -hmm. and i guess what 
what, what we'll see, we saw it as, oh, well, we're glad the mother gone for it, but for better life. But we suffered as as kids emotionally because there's not nothing, nobody or nothing, nothing can replace your mother. Right. Only a mother understand our son in a way where them need comfort. Mm-hmm. And that is what most of we grew up lacking is a comforter in a, a parent who's supposed to provide that. Right. Because most dads, even if they are there, them not have no understanding of how to be that f- a comforting human being for their child, especially them son. They might pet up them daughter, but being a nurturing father is pretty much non-existence. Our very small portion of Jamaican fathers can uh, ever exp- express that to them youth or them son. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, man. So before we go any further, I'm going to go, I'm going to ask you to read an excerpt from the book. And in fact, I'll just start with Acts chapter one, how it started. You ready? Yeah, man, go for it, my brother. All right. So the year 1988 was an indelible one for many Jamaicans. Hurricane Gilbert ruffled many roofs, stripped structures of its clothing, and shattered some dreams. My mother and father were victims of such. Though infatuation connected the two and love somehow brewed, Things shifted by November 1988, as a bundle of love was knitted in my mother's womb. For many, fa- for my father, this was more than he bargained for, and he was adamant that my mother aborted the love bundle. Without hesitation, he scheduled an appointment and instructed her to meet him at the doctor's office by 9 a.m. Having, deci- having decided to keep her gift, my mother bargained with God for a safe delivery, and she will dedicate this love child back to him. I knew I was going to have a boy, sorry, I knew I was going to have a boy. God showed me you in a dream, and I went to find the yellow outfit and bath bun in that dream, she said. That first door I walked into, I found it, and I was overwhelmed with joy. You want me to no, I'm just taking it in as you just lay that down. How does one go about processing the thought that their father wanted them to be aborted? Talk to me about that. That was hard. It taunted me. And the thing is, my mother never spoke still of my father. And I went to her and questioned her. And I said, how is it that this go about? And she was reluctant to tell me. I said, I need to know. And she shared that with me. And trust me, careful guy, but me never make you think. Said it, right? And I waited until I went back to my room and then I just started to cry. Because that right there saying, oh, you never want me, that's how you treat me so. So it kind of makes sense to you at you never want me. To some level. Exactly. That just means like a light bulb went off. Like, you never want me, and that's how you behave so towards me. And I confronted him about it in, the, when I, in our conversation. And he was like, you know, it's not really that how it went. It's just, I never see that. I never, I couldn't see my way out. And I just don't know how that would work. And at that time, I was not ready to be a father. But I said, I posed the question to him and said, listen, you did not do the thing, so whatever come, you're supposed to be ready for it. Mommy never ready to be a mother. 
but she never aborted her child. She did what she had to do to make sure that her child survived. You could have done the same thing. Wow. And there's a response to that? He was saying he could have, but he just didn't see how it was going to work. He, he could not see a way out. And he eventually accepted that it is what it is. But at that time, it still never, to me, it still never changed anything. Because his statement was, if she aborted the child, if she don't abort the child, she's the only one that's not raising. Raise the child. And the funny thing is, my mother never did an ultrasound. But she knew, she said she, she got a vision while she was pregnant. And she saw me, and that's exactly how everything went at birth. My face, she saw my face before I even, before she even gave birth. Well, that's powerful and had to be divine intervention where that is concerned for her to visualize who you were and knowing that you have a son without even having an ultrasound. Yep, that haunted me for a while, a very long time. Well, I can see how that would um, aunt anybody to just know that their right. path to life was treated that way by um, their father. So... I am happy that you're here and um, you got to have that conversation again and get closure. And I'm assuming that he didn't accept any responsibility of that. He was wrong in his approach to that. He tried to justify it in every way, but nothing, nothing can ever justify that for me. Nothing at all. You probably needed an acknowledgement of, well, boy, made it wrong. And I think probably that would would help you in, in, in so many ways to understand that. Uh, exactly. Well, he made a mistake and now he's acknowledging that it was that a mistake and he couldn't come to terms with himself even today. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, your story is powerful and people, I'm sure, are going to gain a lot from this conversation here. In the midst of the storms of life, what or who you are most thankful for? So I'm most thankful for my mother, like definitely, who has continuously being selfless and my my family members here as well who have literally opened doors and you know paved the way for even us to be here so that is something that i'm forever grateful for and i should say this and this is you guys did not pay me for this at all so disclaimer um i'm thankful for my tv overall because you guys literally gave me my first internship in the world. First internship. And to date, I still tell people about you guys. We feel the love and the appreciation, and we are very thankful and happy for the acknowledgement, sir. What is it that Janoy wants to tell Jamaican dads and how to raise them, son? Be there for your child. Don't just plant a seed, but water it. And Make sure it gets the sun that it needs to grow, the proper nutrients. Don't let the physical availability of material limit your connection. That is true and powerful because I think Jamaican fathers are of the idea that in order to be a dad to a child, it's only providing financially. And I think they, most of them are lacking the understanding that their kids need emotional support more than anything else because this whole notion of man of a grow tough sure. and the lack of emotion and empathy with dads 
or men in general, but we come from Jamaica, so we talk about talk to Jamaican father, and them need to understand how important it is to tap into their emotions so that them can pour that into their sons. And man, rough, rough man, um, woman no want a rough man. And the world we live in, them man supposed to protect women, protect mothers. And that is one of the things that I don't know who teach or where where it was was laid out for Jamaican men at large. So, oh, being rough is something that is commendable. Mm -hmm. And every man need to be rough to some degree. And that, that is acceptable, so... Right. As far as this platform is concerned, we need to fix that in terms of creating an understanding for men. Because we are talking from a perspective of being a man, and I, you, a, a little boy, I grew up in a Jamaica to a Jamaican peer, Jamaican father, we never showing empathy, and that in itself what need to be changed from my perspective. And this book seemed to touch on a lot of emotions right? and how to tap into it as you reach out. Most of the poems that you talk about is literally about the things that a little boy want from my father. You say you forgive him for the beating and a lot of us got beaten from our fathers. And I think that's one of the most common experience that we face as boys is that your father is only designed for beat you, beat the bad out of you. And that in itself, again, is a major problem because mm-hmm. how can you beat out curiosity out of a, a young man rather than encourage it? Mm-hmm. What is your version of, oh, you're a bad boy and you deserve all this beating? Right, right. And a lot of us are walking around with pain from beatings from our fathers because I know that, 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 that you know, for them estimation, them love you and a beat you for beat you straight. Because mm-hmm. some things you can just have a talk with a child. But you tell me. And they'll understand. How much dad you know of what sit down and reason with them youth when them do something so-called wrong? That is very few. And see a handful. Trust me, a handful. Good that you have healing and that provides um the change that you need. So at this point... You are a educated young man, and there were some words that were thrown around as a kid towards you by adults that brought you much pain. So, mm-hmm. so I'm going to ask you now, once and for all, how do you feel about maths today? Oh, I hate maths. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> Not no <So> change. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. And I tell the last math class I took in college, I prayed my way through that math class. Got an A plus, but I still prayed my way through it. Don't like it to this day. Well, it's a whirlwind of a ride with you to the Jinai with this book, I tell you. I am hoping and guaranteeing that a lot of young men in Jamaica and around the world will benefit from your story. And learn and can have the opportunity to reach out and touch their fathers to get some clarity in their life so that them can yield as human beings. Because we have a lot of broken men 
in our country and in the world at, as we speak? Definitely. Tell the audience where you can pick up a copy of this book. Okay, so this is on Amazon, Brandon Noble. You can actually order on our website, which is JanoiHenry.com. So how you spell JanoiHenry.com? J as in Jack, I as in Ink, N as in Nancy, O as in Octopus, Y as in Yellow, E as in Echo. And Henry, everybody knows how to spell that, that com. Most common last name. Yes, that's a Jamaican last name for you right there. That's why I asked her to spell the Jinnah because I'm sure people was going to mess that part up. That's right. <laughs> I know they will mess it up. <laughs> oh boy, I tell you. Lovely. So tell us your social media handles. Okay, so my social media handle is Scripted Points on Instagram. Okay. Uh, Jinnah Henry on Facebook and Scripted Points on Twitter. That's where I'm at. You have just listened to Reasoning with Janai, Jamaican living in Los Angeles and author of the riveting book Heart Songs of a Melanated King. Janai, thank you for reasoning with me. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you, guys. All right, my brother. I saw it set, so. See you, buddy. Until them time, we talk again.